0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey Mets fans. My name is Vito Khaleesi with me is my co host Jonathan Barron, and we are the two hosts of a brand new, extremely exciting, official New York Mets podcast.
1: Yeah, Vito, the future of flushing is bright and we're here to tell you all about it. We're going to do so with nightly updates recaps, player profiles, and awesome exclusive player interviews.
0: What makes this podcast different is the content you just don't get anywhere else. Like John said, we are going to be pushing out so much content on this show. Here on YouTube, we'll show you interviews. We'll do special weekly episodes. But every night, there will be an audio-only version on our podcast stream on all major providers. That will be under Future of Flushing. You can find it everywhere. Every night, we're going to record an episode Telling you everything that happened across all levels of the Mets player development system. And it'll be there for you when you wake up first thing in the morning. And today we're coming in hot for you. An exclusive interview
1: with the Eastern League pitcher of the month of May. And you might have heard of him. His name is Mike Vassell right-handed pitcher for the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. Mike spoke all about his incredible
0: May, both on the field, but Vito and I, we had a little fun with Mike as well. Mike is such a fun guy to talk to. We first met Mike back in March at spring training, had a small conversation with him. You might have seen it on the scoreboard at City Field, but this is going to be our first interview we release officially
2: as part of this podcast, and we are extremely excited Mike got to be that guy. to unleash the power of their data wasabi another boston-based championship team so
0: here it is enjoy our interview with mike Vassel.
2: and we are now thrilled to
0: be joined by the eastern
1: league pitcher of the month of may coming to us live from first energy stadium in beautiful Reading, pennsylvania of course we're talking about mike vassal right-handed pitcher for the binghamton rumble ponies mike thanks so much for taking the time to join us yeah
3: i appreciate it um it's been last time i saw you guys spring training and now now i'm in pennsylvania summer weather's coming so all is good and thank you for having me on
1: of course well uh you've accomplished quite a lot in the time since we last spoke to you uh, especially in the month of may just a brilliant month for you one run allowed in 21 innings of work um what what happened in may i mean those are dominant numbers
3: yeah you know May, may was definitely a fun month um you know, I think I got off to a really good start in uh, in Somerset, and I kind of just rode the wave from there. I mean, it was really just talking to the pitching coach, A.J. Sager, and about our, like, plan of attack every game. It was really nothing crazy. It was, you know, it was strike one, throw your off speed for strikes, get ahead, be able to throw the heater inside, move it around, and, and you know, obviously, I get a great defense too to, to back me up, and at the end of the day, I was just throwing up zeros and having a lot of fun while doing it, and winning ball games so it's definitely definitely a good month
1: you mentioned strike one um and that's been a theme of yours not just in may but all season long you are currently sporting a walk rate under four percent um how have you how have you had such incredible command of all your pitches so far
3: this year yeah you know i think it's i think it's something that i've always known i was able to throw strikes like at a at a pretty high clip but i think for me it's really you know there's a there's a physical like mechanical thing that that i think plays into it of being in sync but i also think it's it's really like a mental you have to almost trick yourself into believing that you have to throw all your pitches in the zone because i I know a lot of guys a lot of pitchers who can consistently do that in in a bullpen or in practice and just hit spots but i think in game there's obviously a sense of adrenaline and you know everything's going it's moving a little bit faster and i think for me it's really just buying into throwing all my pitches in the zone throwing everything for a strike really like believing in the guys behind me believing in the pitch called, and just having confidence with everything i throw and i think even you know ahead or behind in the count that's you got to really buy into that mindset and it's it's helped me a lot and it's it's paid off and just just keep it going from here
0: what do you think you've been the most satisfied with in your development since the last time we saw you back in march
3: i think there's a few things i think you know Mechanically, last time we talked in March, I was working on some, you know, lower half stuff. The way I load on the mound and get down, and and uh, I think that ultimately, the things that I've kind of worked on in my lower half over the rubber have translated to better stuff uh, over the plate and just better command. You know, I think I think it's given my heater more life, especially at the top of the zone. Um, I think it's given my curveball like good sharp depth, especially like breaking a little bit later and. And I think ultimately everything I do over the rubber translates to, to how it's playing, you know, in the when it gets close to the plate and batter's box and everything. And I think not only physically, but there's also been like mental development as well and, and how I approach a game, scouting reports, uh, watching the games throughout the week and, and being able to just like read hitter swings. I think that's a huge thing that for, for me that's really like played a part of like how do you read a hitter when you're not playing, but also in game? How do you read a swing? How do you watch a hitter, how he reacts? And I think all that little stuff all plays a factor. And I think it's, it's, it's helped me develop mentally and physically.
1: Now, the last time we saw you, uh, Brooklyn was the highest level you have reached. Obviously now you're at Binghamton, you're dominating the Eastern league. What's, what was that transition like for you, especially at first when you made your Eastern league debut, uh, getting to a new level and facing a higher level of competition.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think I've think i I've said it to a couple people, but I think for me going to the Fall League played a huge role in like me being more comfortable. Maybe, you know, obviously opening day, first start of the year, you're going to have jitters. But I think it, it, it's played a huge part in me just being more comfortable. You know, like I, I kind of realized that out the Fall League, you don't have to do anything more or anything crazy. You really just have to – stay true to who you are as a pitcher and yourself. And I think, I think that's helped me a lot. And I think I'm still learning, obviously at this level, I've still learned, learned more. Um, you know, the, the approaches at the plate, the, uh, the, the eye that hitters have here is definitely, you know, there's less chase there you gotta beat guys in zone more. And I think I'm learning every week, but I think the fall league played a huge role in me being at least a little more comfortable, um, from the start of, of maybe seeing some of those guys in Arizona, but also seeing guys from all over the place that, that had been at every level before. And, and I, you know, when, when Kevin Howard called me and told me I was going out there and then thinking about it now, looking back on it, it's, it's, it's played a huge role, I think, in, in my development as a person, as a player and, and everything. So
0: You know, and John brought up last time we saw you, you were a Brooklyn Cyclone, and not just competition-wise, but what's it like transitioning from playing in New York City to then go to Binghamton, work your way to Syracuse, and eventually make your way back to New York—is that transition from a city back to a more suburban lifestyle like weird to adjust to?
3: Yeah, I think it's definitely different. You know, like we—I was so I'm—I'm I'm roommates with Dominic Hamill right now. We're roommates in Brooklyn too, and and like we were talking about, there's no place like Coney Island. Like you can't you can't recreate Coney Island to play in, especially minor league baseball. Like it's just different. Um, and, you know, I think I think going from there to then Binghamton, where obviously like now during the summer we're drawing good crowds, weather's warming up and everything, but it's just different, you know, like heading to the park every day. You don't have subways flying over you and, and you know, people all over the streets. It's a little more quiet, but you ultimately like keep in mind of, you know, you're trying to get back to New York, you're trying to get back to the city and and, and what it means to play there and and the energy there and everything. But I think it's, you just got to be where your feet are and like love what you're doing and love the process of, yeah, one time I, you know, was playing minor league baseball in Binghamton, New York, and I loved it, you know, because I love what I'm doing and I my teammates are great, the, the coaching staff is awesome, everyone that works for the Rumble Ponies. So I think, you know, yeah, it's definitely an adjustment, but it's just another part of like the journey of, of moving through minor league baseball and, and on your way to the major league. So definitely definitely an adjustment, but still love it. You
1: just mentioned that you are roommates with Dominic Hamill, another highly touted Mets yeah. pitching prospect. Back in spring training, we spoke about your uh, relationship with Rowdy Jordan and how you were roommates with Rowdy, and, you know, you you both told us funny stories about each other. Uh, Compare and contrast the two as roommates. What are the differences? What are the similarities?
3: All right. So, obviously, Dominic and I, we're both pitchers. So, we talk a little bit more about that side of the game. I actually have an update. So, Rowdy uh, ditched me as a roommate On this two-week road stand because he claimed that I kept him awake. Now, (laughs) Rowdy Jordan, um, let's just say he might have the smallest bladder in all of America because he gets up about (laughs) 20 times a night to go to the bathroom. So I really don't know what to, you know, I don't know if it's me because I sleep like a bear every night. So Dominic and I have been perfectly fine, always as roommates. So it might be Rowdy. It might be me. I'm not sure. But, uh... I would say as of right now, Rowdy and I don't have any bad blood, but I told him it hurt my feelings (laughs) a little bit. So, you know, he went, you know, went and changed it behind the scenes. It's all right. We're still we still love each other. But it happened. And and obviously Dom's a tremendous roommate and we get along just fine and everyone sleeps great at night. So, you know, there's there's a little bit of drama behind the scenes going on there.
1: Well, it's important to get your eight hours of rest, so I'm glad to hear that um, everything's working out between you and Dom right now. It's good to hear.
3: Yeah,
0: definitely. Being in Binghamton has its, I think, extreme positives, one of them being might be the best logo in minor league baseball. I mean, what's cooler than a pony with boxing gloves that's ready to just throw down?
3: You know, I think think having the Rumble Ponies mascot, it's actually named Rowdy. So, like, that plays along great because the Rumble Ponies mascot's named Rowdy, which is funny. But it's I think it's the coolest mascot I've ever played baseball for, like, you know, with having as, as the team mascot and everything. And, and uh, not to say that Sandy, uh, as the Cyclones mascot, wasn't cool, but, but Rowdy's, Rowdy's definitely pretty pretty cool mascot.
0: You know, not to go back to Brooklyn one more time, but John and I went to a game a few weeks ago. And John became a gigantic fan of the king king
3: king henry is is he's electric he's electric one time last year it was you know after the game and we were just hanging out and king henry told us this tremendous story about everything he did during the 2020 covid shutdown and how he got into great shape and i've never met a man with more energy than king henry i mean the guy just he shows up every day and he he does what he's supposed to do. It's it's awesome. He's he's electric. You
1: know, what else was a lot of fun was watching you um, pitch in a major league spring training game against the Braves and and, and a game that the Braves had a lot of uh, major leaguers in that lineup. Um, just want to get your thoughts on what that experience was like for you. Some of the takeaways you had facing the major league caliber hitters that you did that afternoon.
3: Yeah, you know, it was it was a very interesting time. Um, you know, because I knew. I knew before it was announced. I knew a few days before that I was going to go go over to the other side of Florida and start that game and it was going to be a home game. So I figured, you know, like how the Mets spring training home games go, a lot of time it's the very similar to what the starting lineup's going to be for the year. We're approaching the end of spring training. So I think for me like one of the biggest takeaways is there's almost a game beyond the game. So there's the game that I'm learning now and and baseball and everything, but I got a small taste of like there is a next level that I didn't even realize was not possible, but I didn't even realize was going on. And I think that's what was really cool for me. And I, it was, it was a tremendous experience just to see how those guys operate, how professional everyone is and they're getting in, they're getting to work in. And, um, you know, I also think it brought like another level of focus for me, you know, because it was, it wasn't more, of, Oh, Oh no. Like I'm facing the Atlanta Braves. It was more like, this is an awesome experience. Like why not go, give my ace stuff today. Like, why not go out there and see how my stuff plays and, and what I need to work on or improve or where I'm at right now. And that's kind of how I treated it. And And I think I took away a lot of things from it. And, and it was really, really awesome.
1: Yeah, the, the changeup was working that day. You, uh, you recorded a few strikeouts with that change. One against Matt Olson. Um, was there any particular brave in the lineup that day that you kind of had to like pinch yourself and be like, wow, I'm I'm on the mound and he's in the batter's box and we're doing this right now?
3: So I will say like, Obviously, once you get into game mode, mode, you're kind of locked in. But Mm -hmm. uh, I stepped on the mound, and then the announcer came over, and he was, like, now batting, like, Ronald Acuna. And I was in my head for, like, a split second. I almost lost focus. I was like, Ronald Acuna is getting in the box. And then I was like, all right, all right, like, come on. Like, it's time. It's time to compete. But, like, for that split second, it was almost like, this is cool. You know, like, this is cool. Like, I've watched this guy on TV, and now we're going head-to-head, and then, I mean, really, they have a tremendous lineup. So every guy was like, "All right, now I'm facing him. Now I'm facing him." But um, you know, I, I think I think the way they, how the the Mets staff up there and everything got me comfortable to being in that setting, and, and the way they kind of prepped me a little bit for that for that start, it I felt comfortable. I felt ready to go, and and that's what was huge. But yeah, I would say for that split second when when the guy came on and said Ronald Acuna's name, I was I was a like, "Wow, this is gonna happen," and I almost. I almost hit him with the first pitch, not, not on purpose at all. It literally just got away from me. And in my head, I was also like, that is just, okay. You know, like, all right, get that away and then get right back in the strike zone. But uh, yeah, no, awesome experience.
0: You know, talking about major leaguers um, before we spoke to you at spring training, we spoke to somebody that you worked with quite a bit uh, last year. Uh, Don't want to name names, but that person told us that, he compared you to Garrett Cole when we were asking him for some information on you and like what we could talk to you about. How do you feel about the comparison? And is there any other player that you would compare yourself to more?
3: Well, one, obviously it's a huge compliment because even though I'm I'm really not trying to emulate maybe him mechanically or anything, like I've always watched him. Like even going back to, to his days in Houston, like I just remember everything about his arsenal, everything about like the way he commanded the zone, the way he pitched, the way his fastball played, like I was like, wow, like this guy, there's a lot, you know, bigger build, right-handed pitcher, starter, workhorse, like you can go, you know, down the line with things. And and I think, you know, from him, you also see that like he's a power pitcher, but he, he's, a, he's a pitcher, like he just doesn't throw, he hits spots, he commands his own. And I think obviously I'm flattered to hear that, but It's it's I've also watched him a lot, Um, you know, in in terms of other guys, I've said before, like, I'm really just a fan of the game. So there's a lot of pitchers out there that I watch, you know, like obviously everyone watches Otani and the way he pitches and the Scherzers, the Verlanders, Um, you know, one when I was also growing up was like, I remember just thinking Lance Lynn was so cool because like he didn't he just threw like three different types of fastballs. 80% 80% of the time, and he's on such a roll, and, you know, he's also, I think I have some mechanical uh, similarities between him and I, and, and I just think, you know, obviously Cole is, is a huge one for me because that is really the guy that I watch a lot, but also that I'm, I'm a fan of the game, I'm a fan of pitching, I like watching everybody, and, and uh, yeah, so there's no one single guy, but I would say Cole is probably the biggest.
0: Another thing that we were told that you like to watch or that you like to make people watch is after we spoke to you, we talked to Grant Hartwig. We asked him about just putting together a five-man team, play some hoops, and he casually brought up that you forced guys to watch your uh, high school basketball highlights.
3: Uh, yeah, so, all right, well, first off, Grant also forces me to watch his high school football highlights.
1: He didn't tell us that part, he left that part out.
3: So, I don't know, you know any great Detroit Lions players that he grew up watching but i swear <laughs> joey he, harrington he he swears he could play for the lions right now but um yeah i'm i i have this one video of me doing a up and under playoff game in high school that i frequently pull up and have guys watch not not because of anything <laughs> i just want to show guys like i could hoop a little bit back in the day you know i i could i could the the three play a little d even though i was more of a zone guy than a man-to-man but that's all right and and I could distribute the ball. That's that's another thing. I, I feel like I was pretty good at giving the ball out to people, and yeah, I can hoop a little bit.
1: Well, speaking of amateur athletics, uh, your Virginia Cavaliers have a date with the Blue Devils uh, starting this Friday in the College World Series Super Regional. Uh, how locked in have you been to uh, the college baseball tournament, and how are you feeling about the Cavaliers' chances?
3: I've been following those guys. I mean, I uh, it was I knew they drew a tougher regional with East Carolina because East Carolina and. And then they've they've gone back and forth many years before. And I was pumped to see them just go three and out, just clean sweep. Um, And then now they got a great test again in Duke, Mm -hmm. you know, Duke beat them in a series in the regular season, obviously another ACC team. And they face, they face each other every year. So I'm excited. I'm going to be locked in. I'll probably be wearing some orange and blue or something like that. Maybe I'll wear orange and blue sweatshirt to bring even more positive vibes. I don't know, but, Um, I'm happy for those guys. I I still know a handful of guys on the team. They're awesome people. I hope they go to Omaha again. One of the best experiences I've ever had in playing baseball is going to the College World Series, and I wish those guys nothing but the best.
1: Couple more questions for you here, Mike, before we wrap up. Um, There's a few guys on the major league level that are making an impact for the Mets. Obviously, Brett Beatty, Mark Fientos, Francisco Alvarez. What's it been like from your vantage point to watch young guys come up here Uh, make an impact and how does that kind of help you in terms of the motivation and your thought process of you know one day making it to the big leagues yourself
3: yeah you know it's been awesome you know like I've I've got to uh like hang out with Brett and, and and like talk to Alvy a handful of times and I consider those guys friends and everything and and they're great I think the first thing that stands out about those guys is even before I really started to have a relationship with them is they're great people you know they're great people I never played with any of them but they're I know they're great teammates and they work hard and, and I think that's been huge for all the guys down here in, in, in Binghamton or whether it's Syracuse, Brooklyn, whatever is, you know, we kind of like see those guys as like one of us, you know, it's like one of us going up and, and we pull for them, we root for them because they're just tremendous people. And and I think it, it obviously, it uh, motivates a lot of us to, to play harder and, and get your work in and, and they've, they've obviously set a standard of, of how to do it because the when you see those guys work, they come in every day. Of, of what I've seen, and they get their work in, and, and uh, it's been it's been awesome. It's been awesome to watch them. And we got the games on all the time. Anytime they get up to up to the plate, we're rooting for them, and and uh, it's definitely motivation for sure.
0: So, Mike, you are a Boston guy. Yeah. So, on your Twitter, obviously you love Tom Brady. <laughs> do you follow TB12? Like, do you take any? Of Tom Brady's mannerisms, do you take any of his strategy? Are you on the TB12 method?
3: Well, I don't have his. I don't do his diet. I can't do that. Well, I, who can? Who can? That's a little much. I can't do the diet. I have the book. I have multiple of his books. Are they next to my nightstand at my childhood home and in my room? Probably. I'm not going to say yes or no, but yeah, the, the books are <laughs> probably there. Do I have a Tom Brady's? Do I have a Tom Brady Buccaneers jersey and a Patriots jersey? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, I, I think that the, the best thing with Brady is like what I see in him is just like a role model for like athletes and, and just players of all different types of sports. You know, like it's a guy that was overlooked. It's a guy that some people doubted. And I just see it, you know, some, some similarities going back to some things that have happened in my career. And, and I've always loved him before anything's happened just because he won so many Super Bowls and I'm a huge Patriots fan, but, you know, just the way he approaches the game, the way he's a leader, the way, you know, he, he competes. It's, there's, there's so many things I think I've taken away from just watching him as a fan, but also an athlete that I try and apply to, you know, the way I approach games, the way I try and compete and, and, and really how it's all about the team. It's all about winning. You know, that's, that's really what matters. You know, it, it's, obviously everyone wants to have personal success, but when you care about the team more and you care about what happens on the field, a lot of the other stuff takes care of itself. And that's really what I want to do at the end of the day is I just want to, I want to win as a team as much as possible. And and I think that's what, you know, he kind of will obviously reflect in his game and in his his career.
0: If you had to make a Mount Rushmore at Boston, we'll call it Mount Bosmore. Who would your four guys be? And that doesn't have to be people from Boston. It can be, but it could just be, who do you think represents the city best? Well, one
3: Tom Brady, yes, obviously. The next one I'm gonna have to go David Ortiz. It's got you know, I got mm-hmm. I gotta go Ortiz. The not, the next one I, I wasn't alive, but I know my dad's a huge fan is Larry Bird. I think Bird's got to be up there for 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 a third one. And the thing is, is like I feel like I have to include include the Bruins somehow even mm-hmm. I don't watch a ton of hockey but I'd have to probably go Zedano O'Chara I mean that guy mm-hmm. Big Z was a huge huge part of Boston Bruins hockey and and he played for a long time and people loved him so you could go anywhere with with those I, I think Brady's in all of them but you could really go anywhere but those are my four Brady Ortiz uh Larry Bird and Zedano O'Chara
0: well Mike that's perfect dude thank you so much for taking the time today uh, you were the first interview we did when we started this at Spring Training. So thanks so much for joining us for this episode, Mike. Of
3: course. I, I really appreciate it. It's always fun to talk to you guys. And I and, uh, hope we can just keep this thing going moving forward.
1: Well, we hope you enjoyed the interview. But I do need to interject a little opinion here, Vito. And
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: uh, I think it's a generational thing that Mike put Zidane O'Chara on that Boston Mount Rushmore. Come on, Mike. It's got to be Ray Bork if you're going with a Bruins defenseman. But we could talk Bruins history at another time, Mike. If we're going to be generational, I think it should have been Phil Esposito. I know you do. You've mentioned that a few times to me. I'm going to tell you again you're wrong. But I'm impressed that you're dropping the Esposito name on me. That's I'm not going to complain about that. Mom's favorite Ranger of all time. I've heard about him my whole life. Well, hopefully, maybe one day, Mike Vassel will be on a Mount Rushmore of Mets pitchers, and he could be a mom's favorite Met pitcher of all time. You never know. He's got some stiff competition. I mean, my mom does love the good doctor. Of course, yeah. As everyone knows, a very pitching-rich history with the New York Mets.
0: Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please make sure to go subscribe to Future of Flushing on all major podcast providers. Give us a rate. Give us a listen. Subscribe to that podcast because when you wake up first thing in the morning, you go to your podcast feed. You know what you want to see? Minor League Baseball updates. Who wouldn't want that? So thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow morning on that Future of Flushing audio stream.